0: Welcome back, welcome in This is Country Roads Confidential Here at earsports.com I am Mike Casaza. West Virginia goes on the road Loses to number 22, Texas 17-13 to 13. I- I'm looking in my hands right now, Chris And I have so much content I'm glad you're here to help me out I know where I want to begin I don't know what we're going to get to And what we're not But I know where I want to begin How in the hell did Neil deGrasse Tyson Get into our day? <laughs>
1: I have no idea. What I, a day. I, I, I On that play, I said, this is something about physics and the refs aren't going to understand it. Sure enough, they didn't. And then somebody tagged Neil deGrasse Tyson in my comment. And then Neil deGrasse Tyson just hops in with the video of the play and just chimes in and shares his thought, brings out a theorem that I've never heard of, and basically says the Big 12 screwed WVU, if you want a translation there.
0: Let's um, Let's take a knee here and... And devour this moment, not because a famed physicist is now—I mean, noted fan of Country Rose Confidential, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, and and not only it's just it's again what a day on off the field everything that's going on it's it's bizarre it's surreal but you just don't expect that type of intersection but that also happens to be a key point in the game um, I think part of me says Texas ended up punting it back but man I think if West Virginia has the ball south of the 50-yard line going toward the Texas end zone in that situation. They get a break other isn't giving them. Man, maybe this is a different game. You don't know what you don't know. Along the same lines, you don't know what you don't know, and it would have been nice to have that in your pocket there. But that, to me, looked everything like a fumble. They're going to call it a um, an incomplete pass. What happens is they, they run this fancy triple option for the first time ever. Old-school Pat White with Steve Slayton, Owen Schmidt, Noel Devine, if you're thinking about it, where fake it inside – not going to give it you're running toward the line of scrimmage with the your quarterback you're putting linebackers and defensive backs in peril and then you pitch it out once you attract the, the attention of the defense to a receiver to the wonderfully named kai money mm-hmm. who goes bankrupt and drops the ball doesn't catch it i think fumbles it i've been in those officiating seminars or whatever you want to call them and in that situation those officials in the field are instructed to say Let's call it a reception or let's call it an incomplete pass and see if we can't prove otherwise. This one's the complete opposite. I don't think willingly, um, but it did go the other way. I don't even think it matters. I don't know how the intent of that play or the execution of that play does not result in a fumble and a West Virginia possession there. And I'm that guy who doesn't really get into officiating, and I think some people would say is not a homer or sometimes. Too strenuously against the home team or the visiting team, the team in gold and blue. Typically, in this situation, even I'm saying, "Holy cow, that's a fumble!" And they got hose on the road against Texas.
1: Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, there. The the ESPN commenter said, "Hey, there's there's going to be three plays in the second half that you know West Virginia fans are going to talk about." Um, Neil Brown was was quick to mention the Winston Wright one, which I, out of all the the three plays that ESPN was referring to. That might have been the one I agreed with the refs the most, um, although I did think I, I mentioned it at the time. I thought that since they called it a touchdown, maybe it shouldn't have been overturned. But the one the fumble one was egregious, Be, in, in especially when you're talking about, uh, as Brown pointed out after the game, those guys on the field are lined up right with the play. And the angle you're yeah. getting from the camera is two yards behind it. It's not showing it correctly. It doesn't even actually show where he catches it on the field because you don't see down at his feet because the camera angle cuts off the receiver or slash running back's body like halfway down. So you don't even see where he's catching actually catching the ball. You're just assuming what yard line it's at. And, and again, it's about physics and optics. And when you're viewing something from an elevated spot and two yards behind the line that you're trying to determine, there is absolutely no way you're going to be able to determine that, especially if it's anywhere close. It's always going to appear it's coming, it, it went forward because you're behind it. And they really, like, I could not believe they screwed that up, uh, especially after ruling it a fumble on the field with the guy that was standing right in front of it.
0: I don't know how you overturn it. And again, I make the point, I laid the groundwork here, and you came in and you hammered it home. Good job, Chris. In those meetings, they say, "Listen, call it incomplete and see if we can overturn it." Those officials said, "I'm going to go against my training here and say that's a fumble." You know why? Because it was a fumble. Like I don't, I'm not going conspiracy and all. We want Texas in the title game. That's a long way down the road. This is in week or game ten. I feel a little bit more worried about something like that being afoot. I just think they blew this one. Um, I think what Brown's talking about on the right play, I think he might have been held getting free on oh, the yeah. slot. I'm not yeah. sure. Like, I just thought I saw, like, him pulling his arm out or something like that when the play happened live and the, and the, the camera jerked, whatever. I had to go back and listen to it. Neil was not in a, he, he was not in a good mood at the start no, of this. They had him, like, in a dungeon at that stadium. That stadium's a dump. It's it's bad. It's Internally, it's not great. The field is fine. I'm sure the facilities are good. They're working to overhaul everything there. But for anything fundamental, for outside and stuff, it's not a very good place to be. And he was not happy there today. His first visit there is one to forget. Um Secondarily, let, let's go again. People chiming in and becoming fans of ours. Um, I had an interesting interaction at in the halftime. Yours, is yours, Trump's mine. Um, how, oh boy, how do I do this, Chris? Because uh, I showed you who it was. Um, yes, a name that people would know, right? Mm-hmm. How about in the Big Twelve? Is that fair?
1: Yeah, that is okay. fair.
0: Yeah, okay. So a name that people would know in the Big Twelve. DM me at halftime and said, "What is Neil doing there?" And it has to do with the end of that first half. And I God, i don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to talk about this, and I want to talk about this. I feel like that they're pulling the string at the at the bottom of my back every game and just making me talk about this and every coming of podcast. I don't know. I, the, the final two minutes of every half, I, I think it's a skit. I think it's like the Upright Citizens, and they're just, like, doing, like, shtick and just trying to, like, get a reaction out of me. But it doesn't happen without some type of event. And today was no different. And... I just can't, again, I can't disagree more. I was okay with the Kansas State stuff. I thought that was smart. I thought Chris Kleiman made the mistake there. Neil Brown was happy to go and snack on a lead at halftime here. Today was bizarre. I don't understand what happened at the half today. The not calling a timeout with in excess of a minute left, letting the clock run right down to 12, and then calling your timeout really early to ice the kicker. I know he missed the field goal, and the points aren't on the board, so ultimately this doesn't matter. I would love to have the ball, with a minute left or 55 seconds left or whatever, whether he makes it or not, in a game I lost by four points.
1: If someone's going to try to explain to me, tell me that, not explain to me, tell me, a lot of people told me it worked because he missed a field goal. If you think Cameron, if you think Cameron (laughs) Dicker, one of the best kickers in the entire country and someone who will be kicking in the NFL in the very near future, missed a field goal, at halftime of a game that they're already ahead because he had to wait an extra 30 seconds, you're crazy. That's not the case. That is not the case. And so that, the outcome, you can't look at that. That's like saying uh, when you're talking poker, like, hey, I only have a 20% chance of win, but I, I hit my two-outer on the flop, so that means it was the right call. No, it's not. No, it's not. the the results it, you, you do you do start doing stuff like that, and it's you're gonna end up getting screwed later. And in this, I can't wrap my head around the no the no timeout because if you call a timeout, if he makes it, okay, you got fifty some seconds and now you're probably running it back from twenty your twenty or twenty five or you get a chance at a kick return. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, you do have Winston Wright, who has a one hundred yard uh, kickoff return touchdown in his pocket. Um, or he misses it, and all of a sudden you got 55 seconds and you're at the, uh, at the 40, Was it? so he, it was a 47-yarder, so about a 40-yard field mm-hmm. goal, 30, you get it around the 40-yard line. You're going to go 25, 30 yards, let's say 30 yards in 50-some seconds. They do that every day in practice. They do that every day. And we saw that offense could move the ball. We saw it in the entire second half. All they did was move the ball between the, between the 20s. That's all they did. And so what you do, because Texas only has one timeout. So there's no concern about, you know, you maybe making a play and then Texas getting a stop and it's second 10 and then they start using timeouts to get the ball back themselves. No, no, no. You run a safe play, a draw, a run up the middle, a zone read, whatever, a quick little pass. That's very safe. And if you get a chunk of yards, then you hurry up. If you don't. All right. We gave it a go. Let's let's just go to half there I, I don't see the downside here and the upside given the situation down three and getting the ball to start the second half is enormous I,
0: I would have been okay if he just let dicker kick like <laughs> time out okay it's gonna be a touchback dicker's really good touchbacks i think texas had like four or five kickoff returns all year so 25 yard line run a draw is what you're probably gonna do maybe you get it to the 45 and you throw a hail mary and all right they're not gonna throw a hail mary never mind I don't know. I just I don't know. There's no plane. I feel like they're just like spinning a wheel. It's like a, it's like an advent calendar and you just open the door and you pull out the answer. There's there's no rhyme or reason to stuff like that, too. It's, it's bizarre. I don't know. And I, I just don't understand why you don't do it again. You, you don't trust your offense. That's bad. That's bad. And that sends your team into a locker room with that message. I don't I don't care. That just does. And what do you talk about at halftime? Hey, guys, we're going to go get him. Why didn't we just go get him there? We had a chance. Do something. And again, if you're trying to light a fire. You give your guys the ball and give them a chance there. doesn't matter. I don't know, but again, you don't know what you don't know, and I don't like leaving things like that in the field. Your defense worked to give you a stop there and to give you a chance, and you have the clock and the timeouts in your corner where you have people and things on your side, especially on the road against a ranked team. You have an offense that you don't trust or doesn't inspire trust, and you have a situation. Try to get something out of it. The, 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 the squeeze is worth the juice, so to speak. Try to get something out of it and make it work. And when you just forfeit that and, and you're trying to be like, I don't know, cute, strategic, disruptive with the, like icing the kicker. I know he missed it, but would you rather have the minus three, I guess, if you want to call it? Or would you rather have a chance to go, you know, get three on the board or get a touchdown on the board or get something going and inspire guys to say, listen, we got him, We got some momentum at the half. We got points. We got to drive. I don't know but they didn't even do that. It just didn't capitalize him. This is a thing now. It just, it just is. I feel, I feel silly talking about this. And for some time I, I thought it was me. Like I had some complex or I was being too picky or too conscious of things. This is every game. And it's not just the halftime thing. It's the wanton, reckless, hard to explain, harder to accept use of timeouts.
2: Yeah. And
1: that was something it was happening today. And I thought, this is crazy. They're using another timeout on offense in the second half. And for those who don't know, that, that's like a cardinal sin. You In the second half, you want to use save your timeouts for defense because you're going to, in a close game, need them to stop the clock. Because on offense, you can control the pace. You can control the tempo. You can try to you know move the ball with less time in the clock. But on defense, you need those timeouts to control the clock and get the ball back. And we saw it in the Texas Tech game when West Virginia used a timeout on first and goal from the one-yard line. And everybody was, what are you doing? Why are you calling that there? Just run up there and sneak at something. Just don't waste a timeout. And I mentioned it in the next day when I did the plays that won and lost the game. That was the first time I have ever seen the odds of a team winning or losing change without a play actually being run. That's how significant those wasted timeouts are on offense. West Virginia used three timeouts on offense against today, and I thought, that's nuts. I, I don't feel like that's the first time either. Went back and looked. 14 second-half timeouts against, uh, for West Virginia this year. This is against all opponents. Ugh. 12 of them on offense. Oh, 12 my of the fourteen. Excuse me. Excuse me. Let me clarify here. 11 on offense and one on kick return in the second half. A timeout on kickoff return in the second half. Um, just, just throwing it out there. So 12 of 14 have been on when, when West Virginia is getting or has the ball and it's supposed to be pretty much the exact opposite. So th- there's something that needs to be figured out there. And, and a lot of it, there's just so many, I, I don't know, it, it, it always seems to stem down to communication issues that that's been the reasoning that Neil Brown has given on a lot of the, the, the miscues or when they have to use timeouts in the red zone, And I'm curious that there's something wrong with the process there if they're having that have to use that many timeouts on offense because of quote communication issues.
0: So I want to get into a more broad description review of the game, but there's two more things we have to hit on, and I said about three because you just added one to my list. Before we get into the game, let me go over these. The one you just hit on. It's 100% clear now that Parker's calling plays from, like, I don't know, the 30-in or the 20-in, right? I, I actually had the volume on the TV today. They, they acted like that was fact. No Hold attribution. Thanks, let me, let but... me
1: uh, quote, you, quote you here because I thought it was a very curious phrasing from Neil Brown here. Where did that go? Um, when he said that, he was saying this is, this is my fault. You know, it's on me because I'm in charge of the offense rather than because I call the plays when he was discussing those fourth down plays and those the third and fourth down plays in the red zone, he said, because I'm Man. in charge of the offense. It's on me as being in charge of the offense, but not of the play. I don't, I don't know if that was purposeful coincidence. I'm reading too much into it, but we're, we're there. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: Well, we've had two play by play crews talk about how Parker calls the plays. Mm-hmm. We've asked about that. and They had just flat one answer to us. So it does seem like we have our answer, right? Parker does call the plays inside the 30, inside the 20, whatever. Okay, fine. So we get that. Um, I'm not sure what happened on the timeout on the second down. And I'm pretty sure on the timeout on the fourth down, they were confused again. And that happened against, I think, Texas Tech. After the long play to Winston Wright, they had to call a timeout, which he ultimately needed. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, just like, is that because different people are doing different things? I look at the wrong people, I don't know. This is an unusual situation. It's got to get tightened up. And I say that knowing they've been exquisite in the red zone this year, and that's ultimately the cost of the game today, too. So I think that's that's one thing, too. Number two, um, the two penalties, or the two, the two officiating things that we're not sure about, whatever, we disagree completely with their adjudication of the fumble. We're not sure about the right thing. It was definitely a drop. He, the ball hit the ground. Yeah. Um, I think Brown maybe, we'd have to double-check, but I think he's mad that maybe he got held or obstructed, and that's why he was suddenly popped up. I think he might have pulled free from holding, because he was, he was pretty open behind a defender um, and didn't have his arms up. The third one, though, is... The P.I. that maybe was or maybe wasn't on Ollie Jennings. Um, I don't know. It wasn't a great throw, was it? I feel like it was short. Now, was it short of where Jennings is supposed to be because he got held? Or was it short because it was ahead of him? I really feel like if that ball is on the one and the nine, they're going to get that flag. Like, if he can't get his hands up and hit it and it hits him in the face... Does that mean that Dagey didn't make a great throw? I don't know. I just that's such a bang bang play, but sometimes you got to give the officials something to see and to think about and react to. It Doesn't mean they will, because we saw what happened on the fumble. But I just felt like that throw was was imperfect, not bad. Imperfect. Perfect's a high standard. I get that, but man, in fourth and one game in line, you got to be close to perfect.
1: Yeah, it, it was a, a little bit off there, and it was pass interference. But okay. and I, I said it as, at the time that it happened, and I said it earlier in the game. They were, and, and somebody responded, oh, they called two pass interference on on Miller deep. That's not what I'm talking about. The the quick slants, they were letting both teams mug the living heck game. out of receivers. It happened. West, West Virginia was the first defender. I think it was Miller as well. Just completely and totally tackled a, slanting, a quick slant receiver for Texas, which was on a third down, and then West Virginia got the ball. I think two or three drives later, West Virginia's doing the same thing. Texas egregiously holds a slanting receiver. No call. They didn't call it all game. They called a couple pass appearances, but those were on deeper passes. On these quick slants, they were letting guys. It, it was wrong. It was wrong yeah. all game. But they were wrong all game. They didn't suddenly change um, and, and and you know screw WVU while helping Texas. And so, I mean that play did really screw WVU and hurt and help Texas. But they. That's why you kind of want to you know get it right the whole game instead of being like, well, we were just wrong the whole game, so that's good. Like, <laughs> like no, that's not, that's not good, but okay. Uh,
0: last one. Um, we've been over you getting a physicist. We've been over me getting a recognizable Big 12 football name, getting in my DMs. We've been over some officiating stuff. Um, I think what people are going to actually want to talk about, for one reason or another, are the fourth down decisions by Brown, which he was, um, God, I'm not sure defensive is the right word, He was quick to get after it. Well, he defended it. He he defended it, yeah. The second one is indisputable. You have to go for it. There's no question there. The first one, however, is, to me, a bit of an issue. And again, I'm wondering, does he not have faith in his team to get down there again? Which means he missed, because they did get down there again. Now, granted, they started down there again, too. I get that. But, have some faith in your defense. Um, Or... Is he too anxious? Is he trying to make something happen because he hasn't been able to? My my issue with this is that I think down four, and again, the charts and all that stuff, he's got his charge that he subscribes to. Fine, I get it. I, uh, the commitment to the, the plan is commendable. I'm fine with that. My chart says something different. Does that mean it's right? No, but I like the way that that defense is playing. I was not scared of the Texas offense at all. I thought Ellinger looked below average for a lot of the game and missed a lot of stuff and didn't get a lot of help from his teammates. I want to make them play in a tight game and depend and defend the lead and see what that can happen there. I don't, I'm not sure they could have done that. And even if they go down and score, they're up by eight and you have a chance to tie the game when you go down again. So that's okay with me. That's worst case. Best case is you get the chance to kick a field goal win the game. And what happened? They got the ball down the red zone after that. So hindsight, I understand is all illuminating and it makes a lot of sense not to kick the field goal. Even in the moment, I'm thinking, man, make a four point game, a one point game. I mean, you're basically tied in, in strategic essence there. In a game that maybe you should be ahead or you shouldn't be behind, but who cares? You reset at that moment. You say, my best is my defense right now against their offense, and let's see what happens. The other part that's strange to me is that whatever shenanigans happen at the end of the first half insists that we get the ball at the end, of the, at the start of the second half. Our defense is good. Let's go. That's incongruous with not giving your defense a chance to protect a one point deficit. Does that make sense? I don't know. But by not kicking the field on the fourth quarter means that you're worried about your defense, not getting a stop, which does not level up with what we saw at the end of the first half. It doesn't make sense to me
1: at the time. I mean, the second one, I think again, I don't think there's any question about the second no, fine. one. Go yeah. The first one. So at, uh, on the first one at the, in the moment, I was good with it. I typically tend to lean aggressive in those situations and I was good with it until I started thinking about it more one for the partly for the reason you just mentioned about how you got to trust your defense and two, this lined up perfectly with what happened at the end of last year. I started thinking about some of those games and there was the win over Kansas state, the win over TCU in both of those games. West Virginia was driving and in the red zone and faced a fourth down decision down. uh, I think it was seven against uh, TCU and six against Kansas state or one or the other one was six, one was seven. And both times they chose to kick a field goal, knowing that their defense was dominating and they kicked the field goal held and then came back and did it again. And it makes me think that, boy, wouldn't it have been nice to do that again? I, you know, I, it, there was a little more time than I thought. And at the time, I believe they had, they had at least two timeouts because they used the two timeouts on the third and fourth down of the second attempt. Mm-hmm. But I, so looking back on it, man, if, you, if your, de- your defense is dominating, your offense is moving the ball. It's struggling in the red zone, but it's moving the ball. And your kicker's already made a couple field goals. <laughs> You know, hindsight's 20-20, because 20, in the moment I was in agreement with it, but now I'm. It's it, it's tough to to to, to kind of stick with that mo that notion.
0: it's just it's it's difficult, and again, small small margins here too. And um, I don't know. its just it just there weren't a lot of touchdowns in this game. Like like, what are you worried about? Are you worried about them going down and getting touchdowns when they haven't really done that all game? It just it just doesn't make sense. And his explanation of it, in the Big Twelve touchdowns win games. That's not what today's game was about. It's not. Today was punting and making tackles on punt coverage and kicking field goals instead of touchdowns in the red zone. That's the difference in the game. And the one thing that you could really control in that game was getting a touchdown. No no qual. I don't think anybody's going to argue this the second one. I don't. There's no alternative there. The first one just seen again, hindsight's, again, on your side all the time, and it's undefeated. But sometimes you want to use hindsight a little bit, I think, in the moment, and I wonder if, if that wasn't there, too. I, I, I'd be very curious this is a very progressive, proactive discussion in November, and it's probably one that waits until January. But does this continue in the future here where Brown is seemingly in charge of timeouts, fourth downs, punt, go for it, whatever. And then there's some sort of a handoff in the red zone. I wonder if there's just so many mechanisms moving on the operation that it's, it's hard for him to keep his eye on everything there. And could it be a little bit more smooth if he took himself out of one or two different things here? Again, I'm assuming that he's in charge of timeouts or fourth downs. I'm assuming he's in charge of fourth downs because he told me that uh, last year. and They had a chart, and he was all over that stuff with the analytics and all that. And I get that. I think, by and large, he's been good about that stuff. Um, Timeouts, uh, I don't know, man. Um, Sometimes, I I mean, it just may be his thing. Let's get the right play on fourth and one. I'd much rather use the timeout and get the conversion than not use the timeout and get blown up. I just think this is the top of the list when they get to the off season and things to do.
1: Yeah. It, this is multiple times with timeouts, with the situations that there have been issues. And we, we, we talked about it most, uh, you know, notably with that Texas tech game where there was that quick change from, uh, they were at the 37, I think, and then mm-hmm. got all the way down to the one. And, and then everybody was confused and guys were coming in, coming out. And, even though it's a first and goal from the one they're having to use a timeout because nobody knows what they're doing. I think there needs to be some kind of streamlining of this process or, or or somewhere, some way that that kind of stuff doesn't happen. Cause that, that is what some of this shooting yourself in the foot um, problems at West Virginia state. And it's been all year long. This isn't like just today. It's not, just the last couple of games, it's been all season long. So I think something needs to get figured out in, in what that is. And again, we haven't been made privy to what exactly that is. We have assumptions we've asked, they've not said, and and we're not sure where and when and who makes decisions on what, on some of these things. And so whatever it is, it it probably needs to be figured out. Saw a consequence
0: today of, being really good at something, but then not good when you don't have it. And I'm talking about the running game. Um, Letty Brown was not himself today. I guess with health as well as performance, we, we've seen almost nothing. Actually, I would say this. We have seen nothing from a third running back in the normal course of events in a game this season. That's hundred percent accurate. Uh, we've only seen Tony Mathis and the Sparrow when they get to carry a mop at the end of the game. And Alex Sinkfield is a decent compliment. You can argue the word decent with other adjectives, but he's been decent and was not affected today. And they backed off the run and couldn't do stuff, and I think they made them one-dimensional in critical moments, and Brown just, just didn't have the burst to do stuff, and you, he couldn't put his toe in and go north or south, or you wouldn't want to go south, but you wouldn't go to the sidelines or anything like that. And not having a third back, which is strange, because like, I like the idea of having one guy get a lot and having the second guy come in and be a speller. Because we've seen what happens and they try to equally incorporate three and sometimes four guys into a game or a season. But, man, it would have been nice to know if Averia Sparrow or, more directly, Tony Mathis could handle carries. Could he move the chains on second and two so you're not passing and setting up third and two? We just never got those answers today because we never had him earlier in the season. Sparrow less so than Mathis, but Mathis has been here for a little bit now. And I don't know if we're surprised or disappointed or whatever, but I think it's a, a certainly a note today
1: yeah, the, their, their solution at first was instead of the, the traditional run plays was to just throw it outside the, the quick short passes, and that was their their quote unquote solution. But that doesn't work when you get closer to the end zone. Uh, you know I think one time I, I tweeted and it was wrong. Uh, it was a wrong tweet. Somebody clipped that, save it. I, w- I was wrong that I said that why, why, do, why did they get away from those quick passes and throw these deep passes? You, you can only go to those quick sideline passes. For so long. And once you get towards the end zone. The field shortened. The defense is going to be closer. They're going to be up closer to the line of scrimmage. It's a lot harder to do. And, and you're really setting yourself up to. For a disaster. You know. Kind of a pick six. Or a quick hit fumble. kind of thing. And so. That's that situational stuff. That you're talking about. Where. Okay. That. We were able to. You know. Kind of. Run this strange little quirky thing. And it. Covered up the fact. That we don't have a running game right now. But now we actually need to run a game. We can't cover that up anymore. And it, it changed that. It changed the formations. I was making note that uh, when we got in the red, the um, something that you brought up uh, several times over the course of this year about them going jumbo, getting big no. once they got in the red zone. And it worked so well. They got away from it for a game or two, and they kind of struggled a little bit. And then they got back to it. And then they were away from it again today. And maybe that's because they didn't have the running back that they thought they were going to have. But that was, was tough to see.
0: Let's do some resets here, too. We spent a lot of this week talking about tight ends. Uh,
1: non-factors. Non-factors. And, and a couple drops, too. I mean, that one tough – that was a tough catch for Laughlin in the end zone. Got to bag um, it. Got to bag that, it. But yeah, got to catch it. You know, you, You're perfect on the year. Got to catch that. He had another one that slipped through his hands earlier that was going to get West Virginia out from the shadow of their own end zone and went right through his hands and almost right into a Texas player's hand. Uh, just not, not a great day there.
0: Uh, Sam James targeted twice, two catches, 15 yards. Um, he is what he is right now. He's he's your third or fourth inside receiver. We didn't see Ree Smith today, so maybe he's your third inside receiver. Um, Sinkfield and Brown just don't get it going in the passing game at all. And then an equitable split among the other receivers. Uh, Chris, who has the best hands on the team <laughs> among the
1: receivers? Well... According to you, it's Isaiah Esdale, and according to my eyes today, you are right. According to Neil Brown, it's Isaiah Esdale. That's true.
0: Six catches, sixty yards. He had one catch this season, sixteen in his career before the day. Um I, I would say similar to Sean Ryan, I think their ceiling is don't ask him to do a whole lot and they'll be okay. They might break one on you every now and then. Isaiah is gonna bail you out of stuff. I think Sean Ryan's gonna bail you out of stuff. Ryan's Ryan is what does Brown call it? Open by birth. Um I, I think he can do some good things. I'm less confident in him catching the ball and doing stuff. but I think he's good after the catch as they'll just catch his balls. Like you throw balls behind him, you make him catch it on the sideline. Um, you put it up in the air on a 50, 50 ball that should be picked in your own territory. And he's going to help you out there. I, he's got to be involved more often going forward. Cause you just don't have anything over there. You don't like he's not the, the gap between him and the field is not significant where he shouldn't be doing, uh, I was going to say something like this, like, but six for 60 may be too much, but uh, he should be involved more. And, and I think he will be going forward too. We mentioned the running backs here too. and yeah, but um, listen, one thing I want to get to here that was not Kansas State out there today. That's a really good quarterback who didn't look really good, but found ways to make plays. That's a running game that hits you for 179 yards, uh, sack adjusted 184. A lot of that was on one play at the beginning of the game, but still was able to effectively do some things. Um, and what was the thing last game? You know, that they, they didn't. They maybe don't have any business boat race boat racing a team like Kansas State, but they didn't. And they played conservative. We thought, or was it just ineffective in the second half? I don't know. Maybe a little bit of each. But we also noticed that boy, they kicked some field goals in the red zone, and they they had some chances to do some things they couldn't. The red zone today is is by far the difference in the game. Uh, more empty possessions today than in the entire season. And when you leave, I don't know, let's say eight points out in the field and you lose by four, that's significant. My point here is that when you look at um, inefficient stuff in the red zone, didn't have a ton of you know explosive things happen for offense, 360 yards, 13 points, you're not going to win on the road against a good team. Um, they're just not quite there yet.
1: Yeah, there, there were definitely some positives today. There are some things that stood out and, and some things that might give you some confidence that this team could you know, stick around and win a couple more later because the schedule doesn't get much easier. I mean, playing at Texas is, is, is difficult as difficult as it gets, basically, um, on this schedule. So it's not going to get any easier. But this team, I think, can play with basically everybody in the Big 12. I think today confirmed that but I also think today confirmed that they're going to frustrate the heck out of anybody that watches them. And and it's going to make you feel like this team should be better than what their record says. And, you know, maybe that's just the way of college football, the way of covering and and following WVU. Cause th- this team is now four and three and they're out of the big 12 title race. Uh, I think given the the tiebreakers and, and teams ahead of them, teams they've lost to and teams they still have to go with against, but you know what we're talking like two plays different and this team is six and one and leading the big 12 conference. So it's, it, it's a team that's close. It's a team that's getting better. It's a team that, you know, I think fans should be proud of and, and, and a team that they can look forward to in the years to come. There, there is some promise.
0: Over under Chris. Are you ready? Yep. Regular season wins.
1: Four for, and a team
0: three. for a team that's four and three mm-hmm. over, over under five and a half.
1: I said six and four before the season, so I'm going to stick with it. I'll stay. I'll stick with six and four.
0: So you're figuring they get TCU, yep. Iowa TCU,
1: State. Iowa State, and then lose to Oklahoma. I mean, uh, I mean, now I don't know, but I, I don't want to back off my. I don't want to back off my preseason prediction when we're this close. That, that, okay. That's cheating. So that's fair. Yep. Two, I, I think five and a half is a good number. Five and five, six and four, almost certainly. I feel like is where West Virginia is going to end up, but. Take four is going to be tough. Fair enough. Um, uh,
0: any additional comments?
1: Yeah, let me take a minute to uh, shout out a guy that um, maybe I don't often shout out on this podcast. I think is a safe way of saying it. Uh, Dylan Tonkery, a, yeah. a completely oh, yeah. different player today. Like, I mean, the young man had, had played in six games out of this point, hundred a couple hundred snaps, and had like one tackle on the year. And I will, still stand by my comment that his the reason he got the pick 6 was because he was in the wrong spot <laughs> <laughs> i mean he, he was in the wrong spot and the ball just happened to bounce in his hands but today he was incredible like he had 6 tackles today and he only had one tackle the whole rest of the season he had two sacks and i'm now i'm getting mad at stat broadcast cuz he had two sacks today and they only gave him credit for one they called the other one a run tfl yeah yeah uh, no that that is two sacks for dylan toncrete six tackles yeah very good day and you know if he can play like that if he can give west virginia that kind of um, production from the bandit position you know maybe not six tackles and two sacks every single day but just something again as we noted before one tackle over six games and him and bartlett had kind of not done much and Bartlett didn't do much today. Cause I think, cause Tonkery is playing so well, they just kept yeah. him out there. So it's uh, kudos to him. Cause you know, there's been times I've been on here and I've been dogging him for his play, uh, not putting up stats, not doing anything at that position. And today, today he brought it. He was one of one of the, the the big bright spots.
0: Yeah. Again, I'm looking at the stats here and it's just, to me, it's a winning performance to hold Ellinger to 184 yards, 15 to 31. He gets just 39 yards rushing. Uh, and then you did the comps. Texas had 363 yards, but outgained you by three. Um, their equitable offense defense was impressive, or offense uh, rushing passing was impressive. 184, 179. Penalties just six for 250, but a couple of them were important. I thought third downs are about even. The fourth downs were, were the the dagger, I think. But you know, West Virginia more plays, comparable yards per play, time of possession. Um, the the big stat is is over three on fourth down, three for five in the red zone. You hate to boil it down to like something something that simple when you have you know 143 plays in a game. And when I say that maybe 17, you shouldn't lose between those, that score 17. I, I really wonder how applicable that is. 17, you should be able to get and win with, but you're seeing some of these games that are, are really low scoring. And as we're talking right now, it's five eleven p.m. in the Big Twelve. Oklahoma twenty four nothing. TCU ten three over Texas. Tech, Kansas State 6 to nothing over Oklahoma State, and Baylor and Iowa State is later. That's not going to be high-scoring. So this, this just might be a Big 12 game in 2020, which means look at the teams that are coming up. KC is not going to score a ton of points on you. Um, Oklahoma might. But Oklahoma might struggle, too, if you have good defense in Iowa State. I don't think they're going to score, score a ton of points in West Virginia. So um, the five and a half is interesting. You're looking at a second straight season with five regular season wins, but you're bowl eligible no matter what. I would think that they'd be in the mix, so it's not not all is lost. And honestly, the 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 optimism of this team can compete for the Big Twelve Championship, that was gone in Lubbock. Today it is kinda like, you know, tap the loose dirt, so to speak. But um just they just gotta find ways to be more consistent. Be more like Kansas State win than they were Texas Tech and Texas losses.
1: Well, I look forward to uh, everybody's comments from this game, and uh, especially with uh, Neil DeGrasse Tyson and the refs and everything involved um, uh, in in the text from game day. And I'm we'll be sure. sure we'll be sure to uh, add in um, our Q and A for our VIP members uh, tomorrow morning for you guys. To ask some more questions that we'll answer on the next podcast on Monday, and then in the mailbag after that. Uh, Mike, what what do you got coming up? Next, I
0: series. got three things I think I think and I know. Um, and then we're getting into basketball season, I guess. Chris, um, have you heard?
1: Hmm. It's basketball season, guys are making shots. Guys are making shots. He uh, <sighs> put, he, that behind he, pay- he, put that behind the paywall, Mike. That's 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 unique content right there.
0: He, he really got pressed on it a little bit with like, are we uh, it was it was that amount to, Are we really believing this? And <laughs> he was like, I don't know why we wouldn't make shots, you know, so on and so forth. But, and then some of the stuff from McNeil was pretty good about how they were so open last year because of the defense. And the reason they were open is because they were so bad. And that was, that was kind of interesting to them talk about it, but they really do think they really think they're going to play with Culver, Shibway or Culver, Cottrell, Shibway, Cottrell, some combination of Culver, Shibway, Cottrell, Osuboyan at all times. And they're going to put three shooters out there. they, the one thing I've heard again and again and again is that McCabe is making a lot of shots. Like, people are like, oh my gosh, this guy's step in daggers all the time. Uh, McBride, I don't know. I don't know if you want him being like a shooter. I'd much rather have him scoring from all over the floor. But then you're looking at McNeil and McBride and especially Bridges, too, it sounds like. So if Bridges is an upgrade shooting from that three spot over Matthews, that, mm-hmm. that becomes a pretty interesting wing combination because the one could shoot if it's McCabe. If it's McBride, no. But if McBride's on the floor, you're not losing scoring options there. So how you do one, two, three is going to be really interesting this year. Like, How much of the two is McBride and how much of it's McNeil and how much of it's Sherman? And can you play with McBride slash McCabe at one and then Sherman slash McNeil at two or put one of them at a three, depending on the opponent, to cut into minutes for Matthews and Bridges? Last year, you would have gotten Matthews off the floor if it meant he get some offense from a guard playing that three, I don't know what they're going to do this here. I really don't. Like They're going to give Matthews as much rope as he can. But if they need shooting, I think Bridges is going to be a guy. Um, it's curious. Like it's Suddenly, all, we're like, how are they going to get shooters on the floor? they got so many guys who can shoot. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's November. Never mind. Cut it out.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, there, I, as you noted, I think there's more versatility this year than, than a lot of years. Um, some guys – you know, Huggins loves to switch back and forth between that three guard or go a lot of ultra big and try that way and swing back and forth and do different things. And I think you're going to see a lot of that this year. Uh, I don't know if you'll see uh, your uh, proposal of just stick them all out there and (laughs) see, see who's shooting that day and and then sub them all out. But um, I think you'll see maybe a little more uh, up is bad, like roster, moving around roster rotations than maybe in past years, some other guys just to see what works out there. Cause there are some talented players on this team.
0: Uh, last we'll go here on this, but I do remember two seasons ago when they had Culver and she, or Culver and Kanate. Uh, Kanate was on the shelf and like, Oh, I'm going to come back and then come back and like, Oh, he's going to red shirt and all that. And wow, those two playing together is interesting. I wonder like could one be a 4 and one be a five. You know, can Culver, can he do anything as a fuller? We just didn't know. Cause we hadn't really seen him do a whole lot. And they kept on saying, Gu- guys, Sheway's coming. He's going to play. Like, there's no way. And then Huggins be like, no, 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 we can, we can play with all three of them. And, like, <laughs> making, like, considerate explanations about, well, listen, we'll play, you know, Cobra, Sheway at the five or the four, and the other one goes to the four. And then, you know, we want to have, you know, uh, Sags be like a three almost, like a guy who can shoot threes. But imagine how big we'd be and how tough we'd be on defense and this and that. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I drank the cool eggs. It was fun. Chris, Cottrell at three. Culver at four,
2: Shibuya at
0: five. Stop.
1: No, I think I'm, imagine that one three one. And, hey, I love the one three one. And I think they should go with it. I'd love to see Shibuya up front, Culver in the back, or flop, flip-flop it, and and then take that third guy, maybe Cottrell, put him in the middle of that. But um stop. Yeah, just stop. <laughs> just stop. It like it, it it works out well if you just go with uh Cause, cause then you are starting to talk Gabe and I, I know you, <laughs> and there's somebody out there that's going to want to call Gabe Osaboyan a wing and, and I'm going to flick him in the head, uh, and, and be like, no, stop <laughs> it. He's also a forward. So I think when you got those four and you kind of rotate it around, those will take up all the minutes and just, just, just stop with the, stop with Gabe's a wing and you're running four bigs and all this stuff. Just, just stick with what works.
0: Fair enough. We can discuss this some other time. Um, until next time,
2: I'm Mike Casazza, and I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.